How often is Heavenly Father with you? Now, there are some rules. And one of our biggest challenges is when we are in violation of one of these rules. So let's ask, what are some of the rules about Revelation? And we could spend the whole rest of the class covering rules of Revelation, but we'll just kind of do a couple highlights. I want to focus, if we have time, I want to focus on two sets. Let's do a Book of Mormon set, and then we'll do a Doctrine and Covenants, because I think what fascinates me about the Book of Mormon is Mormon finished. Mormon thought he finished it, right? Mormon came to the end of his life. He thought the book was done. He hands it over to Moroni. And it's almost as if the Lord said, there's a few things missing from the book. We need to include them. And if you look at the Book of Mormon, the Jaredite journey to America is exactly what wasn't there yet. It's a beautiful insertion. Mormon, the book's not done. We need to talk about this Jaredite journey because there are so many messages about the connection between heaven and earth that are taught by the Jaredites. So let's turn there. We're going to be in Ether for the, most, for the first part, and then we'll jump to the Doctrine and Covenants. So let's turn to the book of Ether, to the Jaredite journey to America. Now, do you see the symbolism? The Jaredites leaving the Tower of, where do they come from? Tower of Babel. So the world, they're leaving the world and they're going to the promised land. That is like our journey through mortality and into the Father's presence. So the journey of the Jaredites is very symbolic. And it illustrates a lot of rules of Revelation. I'm going to see if I can articulate these here and write them. But what are some of the rules of Revelation? So jump to Ether chapter 1 and let's start... Let's maybe pick it up in verse, I want you to, I think rule number one, one thing that every time we talk about Revelation, we really need to mention, sorry, let me get there. Ether one. Okay, so we get the whole history, we'll get to that later. Let's start, the story starts in verse 34. They're living in the Tower of Babel and they don't want their language to be changed. They don't want their family to be broken up. So see if you can see a repeated phrase, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. It just keeps repeating itself. What's the phrase? Pray. It's not pray. pray. It's too often I worry that saying prayers have become too much of a just, uh, we might as well cross ourselves, right? Hey, let's just say prayer number five tonight. Go, push play. Let me give you an example. Bless this food that it will. How many times have you used that phrase? And I worry that prayer has become saying prayers. How, do the, how does this book use the phrase? Cry unto the Lord. Prayer needs to become a pleading. Enos will use the word wrestle and struggle. Prayer needs to be wanted. And so let me just introduce rule, Revelation number one. Revelation must be wanted. 
yearned, desired. Not this, you know what I mean? So often we just get caught up in the saying prayers that I am not yearning to talk to my father. Can I, will you not be offended if I say that if you were my child and you spoke to me, sometimes the way we pray, I'd be a little put out. If you were my child and I were your father and I got the same messages, even something like, do you say your prayer, do you start your prayer every, the same way? I, I noticed in sacrament meeting, people usually come sometimes stand up and just say, our dearly beloved Heavenly Father. And I think that's fantastic. But at what point is it, are you there? Can we talk? Can we connect? Versus, you know what I'm trying to say? Prayer needs to be a yearning desire in my soul to talk to him. Perhaps one of the most repeated phrases in the scriptures is simply ask and ye shall receive, seek, knock, ask, seek, and knock. And so I love the fact that, come on in, cry unto the Lord. Revelation needs to be wanted. Do you want to speak to him? I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, the journey of the Jaredites, so they're starting in Babel. The Tower of Babel has several legs of the journey. One leg is they're going to go to the Valley of Nimrod. Now, this journey was well established. I'm guessing the brother of Jared had done that many, many times. This was, I know what to do. So tell me, what is the Lord's instructions? What's, what form of revelation does this take on a very well-established path where he's given them everything they need to do to accomplish the task? Notice at the very end of chapter 1, verse 42, what form of revelation are we now in? I think, now we don't know the whole story, but the path from Babel to the Valley of Nimrod, I'm just positive, was a well-established road, and they had all the tools that they needed. I know exactly what I need to do. So when does Heavenly Father say He'll speak again? I will speak when you have done what I've instructed you to do. In other words, it shouldn't surprise us that more revelation isn't going to come until when? Until you've acted on the revelation He's given you. That shouldn't surprise you. If Heavenly Father gave you a prompting and you ignored it, and then all of a sudden expect more promptings, you're being a little hypocritical, aren't you? Heavenly Father, I'm not listening, but keep talking to me. If he gives you a prompting and you push it away and you ignore it, what are you saying to him? I'm not listening. Go find someone else. And so what will he do? Find someone else. 
But what if you say to him, Heavenly Father, every time you give me a prompting, I'll act on it. Whatever it is, you speak, I'm going to act. What are you saying to him? Give me more. This leg of the journey, I think they had, they had the instructions they needed. They knew what they should do. They've been told, get to the Valley of Nimrod, and when you get there, I'll tell you what to do. But this whole stretch of, of, of the journey is all them. You will have more when you have completed the task that's been given you. Rule number two is if you want more, Obey. I'm going to say already received. I think that's an important clarification. If you're getting promptings and you're ignoring them, you are turning the voice off. He's not. You are turning the voice off. If you are getting promptings and you are acting on them every single time, you are turning the voice up. You control the flow of the voice. By acting when he speaks, go to Babel or go to the valley. Okay, I'll do it. I don't need constant reminders. I will do what you've asked me to do. Do you see that rule of revelation? You control the frequency of the voice by what you do when the voice has spoken. So rule number one, if you want more, obey the promptings. Can I ask a piercing question? Has he been prompting you to do something that you have not done? If the answer is yes, you shouldn't be surprised if he doesn't give you any more information. If you want more, obey the revelation that he's given. Go to Nimrod, go to the valley. There I will meet you. I will give you more when you follow the instructions that I've given you. Okay, the next leg. Any thoughts, any comments? Have you, have you, have you ever found yourself avoiding a prompting, and then obeyed it and found the voice came back. Rule of revelation. You are, you are turning the voice off. He's not. You are. Don't turn that voice off. When he says, meet you there, meet him there and get there. Now, very important next rule. Can you tell me? So they're going to go from the valley to the edge of the sea. They're going to get to the beach. Now, this leg of the journey was very unlike this. This was a well-established road. They had every tool they needed. So this was all them. Heavenly Father was just, okay, guys, you need to do this. I'll meet you at the destination. But this leg of the journey... Very different. Go to chapter 2, Ether chapter 2. Would you read 4 through 6? 
and get a glimpse of leg number two. What's the next leg of the journey about? Ether two, four through six. Tell me what you found. How is this leg? First of all, what's the circumstance? This circumstance seems to have been, you have everything you need. Now go do it, and then I'll give you more. This circumstance was very different. What's this circumstance? Where are they going through? Wilderness, and what does it say? Verse 5 mentions that no one had ever been through this wilderness. It's very dangerous. Are the rules of Revelation dangerous? No, sorry. Are the rules of Revelation different in danger? Why was he so absent here? Because it was very well within their ability to be safe and successful, right? Why is he very, very prescriptive here? Because it's very dangerous. Let me use an analogy as we go through this tonight. <clears throat> I have a small little granddaughter who loves to go to the park near our house. We do have to cross a very busy street. Tell me what I do with her hand when we get to that street. I grab that hand tightly, don't I? Now, sometimes she doesn't like it and she pulls back and resists. Do I say, oh, you don't like my instructions? Okay, go ahead. I don't. Why? Why am I so tight? It's dangerous. When will Heavenly Father give you more instructions and more intense instructions and more detailed instructions when the danger is high? And as the little girl that's being held, you need to be smart enough to say, oh, danger's high. He is speaking very, very specifically because the danger is high. Now, notice one thing. This is going to be very important in our next leg. Notice what he taught that during this very intense, the Lord guiding. I love the language in verse six, being continually directed by the hand of the Lord. Name what he did with them while it was dangerous. Look at verse six. Right before I said being con directed continually, name one thing the Lord taught them how to do. Build barges. The Lord has taught them how to build barges. Now, during the wilderness, he is constantly there. So I'm just going to put that as a rule. Rule number three is high danger. Continually led. You are the child and he is very tightly holding your hand because the danger is high. So 
when he's speaking intensely, what should that tell you? When promptings are coming repeatedly with the same intensity, what should you be saying to yourself? I am in danger. Now, what do little girls have a tendency to do when their grandpa holds tightly? What do children of Heavenly Father have a tendency to do when he speaks very loudly? She pulls back. Do you see the danger? Do you see the problem? In the very moment I should be listening the most, I have a tendency to push back because he's being very specific. Can you look back on your life and see a period of time where he was very, very intense in your life? There are some very specific things I needed to do. And he didn't prompt me once. He didn't prompt me twice. He repeatedly sent that message. It's because I was in the wilderness and things were dangerous. Don't pull your hand back. Don't resist him when he's holding tight. Instead, say, I'm listening. Something important is happening, even though I don't recognize the importance of it. So rule of revelation, high danger, he's going to speak loudly. Now that actually becomes the next problem. So they go through a very dangerous period where he's constantly telling them what to do. They come out of the wilderness and get to the beach. Tell me what they do when they get to the beach. Go down to verse 13. What happens after they come out of the wilderness and they sit on the beach? They sat there for, was he happy about that? Was he pleased that they sat there for four years? He was not. Tell me what they did wrong. One of the most common mistakes I see is I watch you live your lives. One of the most common mistakes I see is when you come out of a very intense period of time where he's very specific and now you're on the beach. And the danger is gone. And you're sitting there. Why did they sit there for four years? Do you see the problem? Why are they sitting there? What are they waiting for? No one sees it? Tell me what you see. He has held their hand for this whole period of time. And now they're just sitting there frozen. What are they waiting for? They got so used to being told what to do. What are they waiting for? Lord, I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do. You've always done that. And the Lord's saying what? It's because you were in the wilderness. You are out of the wilderness and sitting on the beach. CJ, you're laughing, right? We do this. Can I give you a handful of examples? Missions are wilderness experiences where God is constantly holding your hand and telling you what to do. I was literally told who to talk to on a bus. I got on a bus and the spirit said, that guy right there needs to talk to you. 
So I made my way back to that guy. I was being held. And then I came home from my mission and expected the revelation to continue at the same pace as my mission, and it didn't. And what do missionaries, what do returning missionaries think is happening? I'm losing my spirituality. I'm losing my spirituality. He's not talking to me anymore. And I kindly just pat them on the head and say, you're on the beach. You are sitting waiting for him to treat you like he treated you in the wilderness. The rules of revelation are different on the beach. The danger is low. Did they know how to build barges? He taught them in the wilderness, right? Is there plenty of material on the beach to build barges? Do they know what to do? Do they have the means to do it? So why are they waiting? What's the rule here? Sometimes you need to get yourself off the beach. Stop waiting for Heavenly Father to tell you everything to do. One of the biggest mistakes we make, we waste four years on the beach. Can I tell you something that's not going to be pleasant to hear? You will not find your eternal companion like you found investigators in the mission field. You will not get on a bus and he says, that's her right there. Go talk to her. That happened in the mission field for his purposes. Now you're on the beach. Get off the beach. You know how to build a barge. You have all the materials you need. Quit waiting for me to tell you everything to do. Move. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an illustration. Everyone turn to, um, oh my gosh, Joshua. Old Testament, Joshua. So they're, they're coming out of the 40-year period. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years where Heavenly Father rained food upon them, right? They don't have any food, so He rains food upon them. Now they're going into the promised land. And the first thing, they've got to cross the Jordan River. He's promised to part the Jordan River in front of them. And the first thing that's going to cross is the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. So the priests who hold the Ark are going first. Now, Joshua chapter 3 when does he part the water? Sorry, let me get there. Joshua 3. Uh, okay, not Judges. Joshua 3, <clears throat> verse 13. When does the water part? when they step into it. How many of you, if you had been holding the ark on the side, would have waited for Heavenly Father to part the river and then you march forward? How many of you are waiting for Heavenly Father to show you what to do? 
all right, Heavenly Father, life is scary. I don't know what to do. I'm making a lot of decisions that really frighten me. Could you just open up the way and then I'll walk through it? And I'm standing on the beach holding the ark saying, okay, Lord, open up the way and then I'll step forward. And Heavenly Father saying what? Step forward. And then I'll open up the way. The moment they step forward, and I'll be honest, sometimes how far into the river do you have to go? Sometimes you're right here. What was the widow of Zarephath doing when Elijah showed up to multiply her oil and her meal? What was she doing? She was gathering sticks to make her last meal. When did the Lord show up to part the river? At the very end. In 3rd Nephi, the night the sign was given, why was Nephi out praying for the sign? It sure sounds like when were the believers going to be put to death if the sign wasn't given? The next day. Sometimes how far into the river does he ask you to go? All the way. Will he always come and part it? Yes. But those of you who are sitting on the beach waiting for Heavenly Father to take care of your life, guess what? You are violating a rule of revelation. You're, you're wasting four years. They could have been in the promised land four years earlier if they had understood that rule of revelation. Sometimes... He speaks very loudly. That's because the danger is high. Do not then, when you get to the beach, wait for him to keep speaking. When you came home from your mission, you didn't lose your spirituality. You just came home from your mission and were on the beach. And the rules changed. Build a barge. Go find your eternal companion. Don't wait for him to find him or her. Don't wait for the parting of the water. Go get a career. Go get your schooling taken care of. Go handle your life instead of sitting there on the beach waiting for him to part the water. You see the rule? Very common mistake. Let me give you another time when I've watched that. Do you remember how many electives you got to choose in middle school? How about elementary school? How many classes did you get to choose in elementary school? None. Then you get to the middle school and you get to choose one and a half credits. And then all of a sudden you get to high school and you're starting to choose more and more and more, right? But you're, even that going into that senior year of high school, they were very, very, here's what you need to do. Let me hold your hand. Hey, you haven't turned your form in yet. How can we help you? And then you graduated from high school. And what happened? No one was there to help you. How many of you froze and sat on the beach? My daughter graduated from high school, and guess when she registered? Guess when she thought to register for classes for the following year? The week before school started. Now, those of you who are laughing know exactly what 
is going to happen when she tries to get into classes a week before school started. She wasted an entire semester because she what? Was waiting for someone to help her. She wasted a semester because she couldn't get into any classes. Now, why is it that she wasted her time? She's not a stupid girl. She's a brilliant girl. But why, why, what was her thought process? Someone has always told me what to do. And now I'm in what environment? I have to own it. And she froze. Do you see the rule of revelation? So can I just say rule number four, get off the beach. Get off the beach. Own your life. Own the responsibility to take care of you. Now, when you get to a dangerous situation, what's he going to do? He'll speak very clearly. In the meantime, don't wait for him. Are you waiting on the beach for Heavenly Father to tell you the next step of your life? Step into the river. Take that scary step into the river. Now, what I love about this story is Heavenly Father says, I don't know if you got them. Can we, can we do this again? Let's have a refresher. So we get to the barges. So when they finally start building barges, go back to Ether chapter 2, verse 17. What kind of barges have they been told to build? Tight like a dish. Okay. This isn't an open top boat. This is a shell like a nut. Now, there's two problems with these barges. Any barge that's tight like a dish is going to pose two problems. What are the two problems? Verse 19, what are the two problems? Air and light. Okay, let's look at those. Air and light. Are they of equal danger? No. One is more serious than the other, right? Which one? Air is far more serious than light. Can they go in dark vessels? Can they go in airless vessels? They will die. So going back to rule number two, no, rule number three, what do you expect the answer to the air problem to be? High danger. If they don't get this right, they die. So tell me what the Lord does with the air problem. You know the answer, right? What's the story? Verse 20. Someone read it. Abby? And the Lord said unto the brother of Jared, Behold, thou shalt make a hole in the top, and also in the bottom. And when thou shalt suffer for air, thou shalt unstop the hole. And receive air. Okay, that is the dumbest plan I've ever heard. And I would seriously question the Lord's understanding of physics. The, the solution to the air problem is to drill a hole in the top and the bottom of my boat. 
And when I need air, I'm supposed to unstop the hole. Does anyone see a problem? Now, I got very, very, very specific instructions, and I don't understand them. And I would be very tempted to question. If I had been in charge, I would have drilled one hole. I would have drilled a hole in the top of the ship. I get this one. This one makes sense. That one makes no sense to me, Lord. I'm not going to do it because it doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, what would happen? The bottom of the boat becomes the top of the boat. And all of a sudden, I say what? Oh, that's what that was for. But because I didn't listen to his specific instructions, now I die. The point is, when the danger is high, sometimes he tells us things that do not make sense. But learn when he's speaking intensely, it's because the danger is high. I grew up wanting to go to that school, a particular school in California. Lord, that's where I'm going. And the whole time I was growing up, he just smiled. He said, no, you're going there. He sent me, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go there. I know, go there. And it made no sense to me until years later when I realized if I hadn't drilled a hole in the bottom of the boat, I'd be dead today. Do you see this? He's repeating this lesson to make sure we don't miss it. When you are in an air situation, instructions are very specific because the danger is high. Even if you don't understand. I was teaching at the University of Utah Institute. One of my students was a very successful music student, very well, fully engaged engaged in the music program at the U and out of the blue, the Lord said repeatedly, transfer schools. I don't want to, this doesn't make sense. I'm in the middle of a music program. And he kept saying it over and over again, transfer schools. Why is he speaking that intensely? I don't want to drill a hole in the bottom of my boat, Lord. That makes no sense to me. Trust that in the danger, he speaks clearly, repeatedly, intensely. Listen, the danger is high. Do you see air situations? Do you see the repeated lesson in air situations? He is going to give perhaps instructions that don't make sense. Why should I transfer schools? I'm in the middle of a wonderful program that I love. Over and over again, transfer schools. Obeying that saved her. And she didn't even realize at the time how important it was. 
So the brother of Jared gets the idea that that's how the Lord answers all prayers, right? He tells you exactly what to do. So then he goes back up the mountain with what problem? Expecting the Lord to do what? Here's how you solve the problem. And the Lord says... He's silent. How can he go from so intense to silent? Answer? The danger is low. The danger is low. And so what's he saying? Get off the beach. Make a decision. Move forward. Take care of the solution. Answer the problem. Solve this problem yourself. Now, is the Lord absent? Is the Lord absent from the air, the light problem? No. He's the one that touches the stones and makes them glow. He will be there. But whose idea was it? How long would the brother of Jared have waited if he was waiting for the Lord to tell him what to do? He would have sat on the beach for four years. So when you're in a light situation and he's not speaking to you, what's the answer? Do you understand? What, what do, you, do you see? I understand why he's not speaking. It's because the danger is low. He has all the confidence in me. He's asking me to make a decision. So know the difference between light and air. He just repeated those to make sure we got the message. So does that mean that um, when we're in like situations um the father will kind of like let us choose yep and then he'll help us like, no notice yeah notice what he says um end of verse 23 what does he say he's is it all brother of jared no what does the lord say at the end of 23 okay you can't have windows and you can't have fire so what, what, what do you want to do? The Lord is there. He's there. He's not absent. But he's not going to make the decision. This is you. Can I give you an example? Um, I was leaving the seminary, a local seminary, to go to the university at the same time that a student was graduating. Um, as she graduated from high school, her dad was called as a mission president in Japan. Her family is going to leave and go move to Japan for three years. And she's coming out of high school. So should she go with them, maybe slow down her education because she's in a foreign country, but be with her family? Or should she stay behind not have a family and start her education. You see that critical decision? Should I go with my family to Japan or should I stay behind? She came to see me after graduation. And she said, I guess I don't understand prayer because he's not answering. I have been pleading and fasting and praying and he's not answering. And I need to know soon. Should I stay behind and have no family beyond my own? That's scary but start my education or should I go live in Japan for three years and delay my education, but be with my family? I need a decision. What do you think I told her? You are in which situation? You are in a light situation, sweetheart. 
He is not going to make this decision for you. If it were dangerous, he'd be very specific. So what's he saying about the two options? They're both fine. But is Heavenly Father going to make this decision for her? No. So get off the beach, step into the river, and make a decision. Now what happens as soon as she makes a decision? He comes and helps. But he is not going to make this decision. You need to know the difference between a light and an air situation. And you need to understand the rules of the situation you're in. When you are in an air situation, what's your frustration? Tell me the frustration of an air situation. I don't understand. What, Lord, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's the little girl pulling her hand back, right? I don't understand. Sacrifice my son? That makes no sense to me. Wash seven times in the Jordan River? That makes no sense to me. Now, what's the frustration of a light situation? Um, where'd you go? But would it be appropriate? Think about it. If I'm crossing the street with my granddaughter and I'm holding very tightly on the street where it's dangerous, do I continue to hold tightly when we get to the park? Do I walk her to the swing as tightly as I walked her across the street? Why not? It's not good grandparenting, right? Because the danger is gone and now she needs to just go on her own. You are that child. Don't pull your hand back on the busy road when he's giving you very, very clear instructions. But don't sit there and wait for instructions when you're in a light situation. Make a decision. Please. Yeah, because now you're wasting four years on a beach where you could be in the promised land. Would you rather be on the beach or in the promised land? He'll let you stay on the beach if that's your choice. But there could, there's a promised land down there. I have a daughter that waited for years for her husband to knock on the door and, to, and, and to propose. <laughs> Here I am. Let's get married. She never stepped into the river. And it never happened. And finally, she said, okay, I'm going to have to do something. She finally stepped into the river. And there he was. Understand the difference. Understand the rules for the circumstance you're in. And move forward.